Hey everybody, this is Al Nash from the Unapologetic Women Empowerment Dynasty and you're listening to the Unapologetic Women Podcast, the show for women who choose to live their legacies unleashed, unlimited and unapologetic. If this is a space you're curious about, visit unapologetic-women.com. Today, we're talking about being the star of the show with Shannon Russell. Shannon is a career coach, entrepreneur and host of the Second Act Success Career Podcast. She helps women in unresolved careers pivot towards a second act career that produces a balanced life of abundance. Shannon spent over 16 years as a television producer in New York City and Los Angeles, working for MTV, E, Yahoo, PopSugar, A&E, TLC, VH1 and more. She then pivoted to open her own business, running a Snapology franchise teaching children STEM education so that she could be more present for her children. Now, as a certified career coach, Shannon supports women on how to change careers, start a business and follow their creative passions to the fullest as they produce their best life. Shannon's company, Second Act Success, allows her to share her journey from television executive to business owner and mom. She hopes to motivate more women to make big moves in life and follow their dreams through her business and podcast. She lives at the beach in New Jersey with her husband, two boys and her chow chow pup. Thanks for joining us. This is Shannon. First of all, I was like, thank you for saying yes. Do you ever get that sensation, especially when you speak to other podcasters, like, oh my God, I can't believe she said yes to being on my little podcast. <laughs> I do, I do, yes. Oh, I'm so honored. I still feel like um, the kindergartner that gets to play with all the big cool kids. Oh. Then I'm like, wow, this is so cool. I can't believe she said yes. So thanks for coming on to the show. Really appreciate Thank it, Shannon. Um, and like I said, life is happening, right? So just to all the listeners, if you hear my dog going off in the background, shit happens. <laughs> Let's just roll with it. It's one of those days. Let's delve in with the question of all questions. And that is, what does it mean to you to be an unapologetic woman? just decide within myself what it is that I want my life to look like and to go for it despite what anyone else thinks what you want your life to look like mm -hmm. that's a deep one yeah it's not even about who I am being but what do I want my entire life to look like and then go for it. As always, yeah. sounds so easy, but I know it took you a journey to get there, right? So will you share with us a little bit of what it took for you to, to get to a point where it's like, no, 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 this is what I want my life to look like without your approval. Yeah, I mean... I grew up and the only thing I ever wanted to do was to work in Hollywood. I wanted to work in television and I worked my butt off to get there. I started saving money in this little California bank when I was five years old. And my parents took me when I was graduating high school to see Hollywood for the first time. And 
went to school, did all the things, got the internships, got the job, and I worked in television in New York City and Los Angeles for 16 years. And I feel like I accomplished so much just getting to be that lucky person who achieves her little girl dream. And then I guess once I had my children is when things started shifting. I started realizing how can I love two things the same? And not that I needed to compare it because obviously my kids are my world, but it really started a shift in me to say, yes, I worked 16 plus years, really my whole life up to that point to get to where I wanted to be and feel success. And of course, there's always more success that you can strive to. It wasn't like I was sitting here with Emmy Awards on my you know, counter, but I knew that what I had done was enough for me. And when my second son came along, I just knew I had to make a change because I didn't want to be traveling, working the long hours and doing that when it just didn't feel right anymore. I wanted to be a present mom. And so I started to think about what a change would look like. And I received a phone call, L while I was walking in the mall with my newborn on maternity leave. And it said that my show was canceled. And in the entertainment industry, you go from project to project. It's very freelance based and project based. And I said, okay, well, I can pick up the phone and get my next job, or I can use this as a sign from the universe to figure it out. And so I just really took that time, all kind of keeping it to myself. I wasn't really sharing it with my husband because he was in television as well, and my friends who are all in television. And it was kind of like doing that inner work to figure it out. And I made a couple of mistakes. I went to a really toxic nine to five job thinking that's how I support my family. I joined and started a master's program thinking, oh, I'll be a teacher at the end of it. And this is what I need to be doing. And then one day I was just crying in my car over my one hour lunch break from that horrible job. And I was listening to some podcasts and I had this epiphany of, I need to produce my own life. I produce these huge productions. I can do it. And I business and I kept it to myself until I knew for sure that that's what I was meant to do. And then I didn't really ask permission. I just said, my husband like this is what I want to do I know I can make it work as crazy as it sounds and he supported me and I made the leap into entrepreneurship and and just again it goes back to that not being apologetic you know not asking for permission but this is what is going to fulfill me let me be creative and let me be the mom that I want to um and I have many more things that I want to achieve. So I feel like I'm going to keep going down that route of just figuring it out and then sharing it with the world and, and moving on my way. One of the things that really comes to mind for me, and I'm always talking about art, living like an artist, and your life is an entire tapestry of arts. And you have to really figure out what is this masterpiece that you want to create from your life. And taking into consideration business is but one aspect of it. So when I talk about what is your masterpiece, it's what is your masterpiece with regards to your body, with regards to your family, with regards to your um, your home, with regards to your business. So, And I love how you said, if I could produce a show, I can produce my life. Because when we start thinking about it, 
our life is a show, right? We always talk about life is a story. What is the story that you want to tell of your life? What is the book of your of your life? And you've just made it another visual in that if my life was a story, and I love this because I often say to people, if your life was a story, what is the genre of it? Are you a rom-com? Are you a drama? Are you an adventure? You know, what is the story, the genre of your story? And so if you had to take principles of production, right? So you come from a production. What are some of those principles that you are applying to the project, your life, that could actually spark some creativity in our listeners and going, oh my God, yes, if I approached my life as a producer and applied these principles, things could just fall into place. Because sometimes these visuals are really powerful. I love that, Al. I love that because so when you're producing something and a lot of people don't understand really what a producer does, you take an idea and then you turn it into the tangible, you turn it into a show at the end of the day. So it starts with a format where you say, okay, well, in the beginning, we're going to have our introduction. We're going to have our first act, our second act, and we're going to wrap it all up with a bow. And in the interim, you're writing the story, you're writing the narrative. And so I think if we can look at our lives or this second act, this next step, this next phase of our lives as, okay, well, I'm going to introduce what it is that I want. I'm going to just put down the steps that, you know, the three steps that maybe two or three steps that I should take to get there. And then what do I want to see happen at the end? And use yourself as that main character, as that actress throughout that. And, you know, what do you want to write for her, you know, to go through that? What do you want to see her do as an action, but then also, you know, how will she evolve throughout the story, throughout the show? And I think that's a great visual of kind of planning out what it is that you want. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so empowering because now you start thinking, well, if this is my lead actress, how do I want her to come across in the world? Do I seriously want her to come across like a little bitch? <laughs> Which, let's be honest, a lot of us are conditioned to be, right? Do I really want her to come across as um, a man in a skirt? Which, again, is how many of us are conditioned to be. We're very conditioned to be in our masculine. Or do I want her to come across as the star of her own show? The star of her own show being really comfortable in her skin, being really comfortable with being in the spotlight, being really comfortable with being the star that allows herself to be treated and supported by the best of the best so that she can give her best performance in, in this production, right? And I think that so often as women, we don't think of ourselves as the star of the show. We don't think that we deserve to have the best of the best supporting us in order for us to shine. Um, I remember I worked with coaches a few years ago and they were so frustrated with me because they would constantly be like, why are you not blowing your own horn more? Why do not more people know about you? And I said to them, 
because I am the power behind the power. I am the choreographer that stands behind the curtain. I don't need the accolades and the applause. I thrive in my clients receiving that. I am there. Nobody even knows that they're working with a voice coach or with a an acting coach or, or with an eating coach, whatever it, it is, right? As coaches, I don't believe it's our role to be in that spotlight. Our role is to support the people to give the best performances of their lives and be in the spotlight. And so for every woman that's listening today, I want you to start thinking of how would your life change if you actually give yourself permission to be the star of the show and expect best of the best support so that you can have the best performance of your life. I mean, that is so powerful, Shannon. So powerful. And you're so spot on. We don't allow ourselves to do that because we're taking care of the kids or our partner or our parents. And it's, you know, women in general just always put themselves last, last, last. So if we could turn the tables and turn the script and do that, wow, what a world it would be. What a world. Yeah. I mean, I'm busy reading the book and, and the poor listeners are going to get so tired of hearing this because this keeps coming up in the podcast now. Um, but it's called Fast Like a Girl. And in there, she identifies four cycles within a month that a woman goes through. It's your power cycle, your manifestation cycle, then another short power cycle, and then there's a nurturance cycle. And the nurturance cycle is actually 10 days. It's a whole third of the month. And I was blown away by that because I thought I was doing really well taking a week a month for myself, you know, stepping away from doing meetings in the business so I can take care of me and the business. And then I thought, but that's not enough. Like it's not a quarter that's needed. It's a third that is needed. And how different would our lives be if we as women allowed ourselves a third of self-nurturance? And not even, when I say self-nurturance, I'm not saying you have to do everything for yourself to nurture. What I'm saying is you get in the professionals on your team, but, but you could dedicate a third of every month to nurturing yourself. How much more powerful would our power and manifestation cycles be when we actually allowed that? I like that because we can get so busy. And like you said, it's you and the business, nurturing the business and not having calls and meetings because a lot of times we can get so stressed and just feel that anxiety of what we need to do, but yet we're doing all of the meetings that we're not able to focus on it. And I always just crave one day of nothing to just sit and clear out the inbox and get my ideas out. And it's hard to find that. Well, you have to make it, right? So I just, I just scheduled out in my calendar. Um, and I'm also going to say, I so respect you for making the decision to be a present mother. I think that takes a lot of balls, especially in the, the culture that we are living in at the moment. For the most part, I was not a very present mother. And I share that very openly because I was in survival mode. You know, I was coming out of suicidal depression and I did whatever the hell I needed to do in order for me not to lose my sanity again. 
Um, and because of the state that my then marriage was in, cycling and becoming an Ironman athlete was an escape from from home. And in the in the process, I wasn't a very present mom. But I will say this, I always took an hour after school that was 100% dedicated to my children. It was an hour booked out of my calendar. And that was my boy time, me and my boys, just connecting and talking and having hot chocolate and biscuits. And so I'm not, I'm not shaming myself, but it was tough for me to be a present mom. And I also feel there's so much pressure on us still in this and it's starting to change but for us as women to be the strong independent driven boss babe freaking culture and now I'm 50 and my kids are all grown and I feel like I'm only starting business now like I've had business for 20 years but now I'm empire ready um because the kids are grown and I I almost want to give women more permission who have kids to go, man, you have no idea how fast it goes. Like you, like when you're in it, it's like, oh my God, really? I can't believe my baby is 21. Like my, my youngest is 21. And I go, where did 21 years go? Where, where did it go? So Applause to you for choosing to be a present mom. How are you creating that for yourself with being new in entrepreneurship as well? Well, I'm lucky that now my boys are eight and 11. Um, so they're a little bit more like they can do their homework on their own. They can take a shower at night alone, things like that. But I have my first business I ventured into is now seven years in and my team kind of handles the day to day with that. So I have that kind of where I'm a little hands off. Um, my, my career coaching business is only about a year old now, and that's my main focus. But I built out an office in my home. So this is my spot. It's right here. So the kids can come home. I'm with them. We do homework. Then I'm in here talking to you, Elle, and it just seems to be a really nice balance of being present with them, going to their events, and then knowing that I'm coming back here and making sure that both businesses are running, um, and they're very involved with the businesses. So my first business was a children's STEM education business, so they grew up coming with me every afternoon to classes, and that was a very big part of their lives for quite some time. And now they see me doing my coaching with clients. And I think it's, for me, I like that they're involved so they can see the ideas that when they get older, they don't have to choose one thing they want to do. They can choose several different things. But I know to close the laptop down, you know, by seven o'clock at the absolute latest, well, I make dinner, come back, kind of make my list of things for the next day. And then I close the laptop and that's family time. And that's, a priority you know I just try to say that I'm in charge so whatever I didn't get to will get done tomorrow and nothing is as urgent as hanging out on the couch with them watching tv or a movie and eating popcorn I love that nothing is as urgent as being with my kids nothing is as urgent as being with my kids because what I have known and I've been 
I'm always shocked at how old I am because I was thinking <laughs> yesterday, oh, actually I started my first business when I was 22 and that is, that's 30 years, almost 30 years ago, right? Um, in 30 years, I can tell you that there's nothing that can't be done tomorrow. There is genuinely nothing that urgent in business that it can't be done tomorrow. And the greatest gift we, especially as women, can give ourselves is having the self-discipline to close the laptop down and to step away because it becomes an addiction. It becomes an addiction to produce. And I find, and I'm saying this with so much respect and compassion, but as women, we, we're using business as an, as an excuse not to be ourselves and as a protection mechanism, because it's easier to be a professional woman than to be a woman. It's, it's more, we're more confident walking into a room in our professional capacity than walking into a room as ourselves. You're so right. That hit me. I never really thought about that. And I feel that way so much. Yeah. You're absolutely right. It's, and it's, we can control this, right? This is our business. We can control it. We're professional. We feel our best selves when we're in it. And we're a lot more vulnerable outside of it. Right? Yeah. Because it's messy outside of it. It's messy. <laughs> not controlled yeah we can't control everything there's no controlling kids let's just be honest about that um and i don't think we we really should control kids as much as what we think we should control them um there's no controlling hormones that rage through unexpectedly there's no controlling um shit happening in relationships no relationships are perfect they're good they're great but they're not they're gross right they they produce growth as well for us there's some days that we feel fantastic and there's some days that we don't there's some nights that we sleep right through and there's some nights that we don't like life happens all of the time and I don't think that we were ever meant to come here and be so well put together 24 7 365 days of the year and it took me a long time to be okay with my mess And it took me an even longer time to be okay with my mess in front of other people. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying let's all go onto social media and spew our mess on social media. Oh my God, can we please stop that shit as well? (laughs) What I am saying (laughs) is we all have trusted spaces. And if we don't have trusted spaces, we, we need to create them. That's why I created the sanctuary and the soiree because I couldn't find it. So I created it, right? And we had a soiree meeting this week and I was telling my partner some of what was discussed because we were talking (laughs) some really deep shit and then got really naughty as well. And he's like, well, that's not very professional. And I go, but that's my whole point is I didn't want another professional space. I wanted a space where women can come in. There's no judgment. There's no shaming. There's no sideways glances oh my god did she just say that um Mm -hmm. I wanted a space for myself and my friends to go to and go what do we talk about if we're not talking about business all day every day girls 
And that was interesting for me because it's so easy to talk about the business. What's happening on social? Did you see the latest algorithm? What are your goals? It's like none of that happens in, in the space. And instead it's like, oh, what are you reading at the moment? Like, let's dissect some of the things. What are you going through? What, what are the things that you're not feeling confident in talking with anybody else? Like, let's hold space for that. Let's delve into that because it's meaty and it's juicy, not from a drama perspective, but because that's how we all evolve and grow is in having these conversations. And I feel that's an art that's almost lost in women at the moment. They're very comfortable in the therapy conversations. They're very comfortable in the professional conversations and in the gossip conversations. But it's almost as though we've lost the art of evolutionary conversation. And maybe it's time for us to focus more on that. And then you don't feel as alone. You really are feeling connected and you're forcing yourself to have those conversations when we live in work all day or we live with the kids or we live with the partner issues, whatever it might be. And to have that space to talk about you and me and what we are outside of all of that, right? Yeah. Our true identity. Yeah. And and what is what smells like rotten tomatoes today and what are we celebrating? And yeah. having space for all of that in the same space is mind-blowingly refreshing instead mm -hmm. of going, well, this space is created for this and this <laughs> is what we can talk about and what we can't talk about, which is why I'm so appreciative when women like you say yes to coming on the podcast because we never know where this conversation is going to go. It's like, well, what if we gave ourselves permission to come completely unprepared and just talk yeah that's refreshing it really is mm. so you talk about the second act I think I'm about on my fifth act by now <laughs> <laughs> keep them coming let's get how many more can you get <laughs> Why do, you, why do you see it as a second act of life? I think it's a lot because I think it's our generation and brought on from our parents and grandparents that, you know, you, you choose what you want to do after high school graduation, you go towards it and you stick with it until retirement. And I like the idea that we don't have to do the same thing. And I think the generations after us are going to have that and it's going to be wonderful, wonderful for them. But I like the idea of, okay, I was a television producer in my first act. It fit me. It was perfect. It's who I was then. But then you have that shift, whether it's kids or just different family dynamics, whatever it is. And that launches you into your second act where maybe that career, that path just doesn't fit or sit as well as it should. So now you can find that second act that is going to fulfill you in that new part of your life. Mm -hmm. And I love that you have multiple. And I think, you know, I plan on having more too. And I just think it's all about checking all of the boxes instead of just going through that one box of I'm going to be this until I retire. And, and just going back to wanting no regrets at the end of the day mm -hmm. and just to be able to say, I did all of the things. Um, it's just so important to me. 
And I think everyone has a second act, at least one second act in them to explore. So, so here's my question for you, because as a, I did a, I did a Instagram live yesterday where I identified three archetypes, right? It was the, the creative, the producer, and then the consumer. And I lived as a producer most of my life, which was out of integrity for me because I'm actually a creative. And so mm -hmm. I never found joy or fulfillment because my joy comes from the process, not the outcome. Mm -hmm. But you got to a space in your career where you're like, oh, no, this feels complete. Like this feels... Um, it's full. The cup is full here. I'm good to let. I've never had that sensation. What, what process did you go through? Because there must have been an evaluation process, surely, to kind of go, no, no, I'm good. Like, this is complete. Would you share that with us? Yeah. You know what? It was about a three-year process. I, I look at it first starting when, with the birth of my first son, um, I had some postpartum depression. And so when we were living in Los Angeles at the time, and it seemed like all of my friends just disappeared because everyone, it's a big party town out seven nights a week. Well, we couldn't go out seven nights a week anymore. And I just felt really alone. And so we made a really abrupt decision to move back East and be closer to my family within six months of having my son. And I kept going. I was working in Manhattan again. And nothing just seemed exciting. I would take the job and go on it, do the shoots, meet the celebrities, whatever. And it wasn't until my second son that I remember I was going to meet this one celebrity that I adored. And I was so excited for the shoot. But I knew that I had to take the subway to the bus and commute almost two hours back to pick up my oldest from daycare. And I was running through the subway, Times Square subway station in my heels. And I said, nope, I'm not going to turn around and go back to that shoot. My team can handle it. And I'm going to go get my son. And I think in that moment, I realized the excitement of celebrity and all of that excitement. And, oh, I think I'm cool because I'm producing this. It didn't matter to me anymore. And that was the moment. I think it was, that was three years since I had my first. They're exactly three years apart. And I think it was growing all that while all those years and then finally I just realized and I can remember that day I can tell you what I was wearing and I just remember thinking I don't need to meet her I need to go get my son and that was where I realized it was tied up as if you as you said and nothing else aside from Oprah I would go back to TV in a second for Oprah I always say <laughs> but other than that there's nothing else that I felt like I wanted to do mm. I felt like I so, yeah, I guess that is a very unique feeling for some people. But for me, it was very, it was very clear at that time. Mm. And it was, again, it wasn't that I didn't enjoy it. It was just that I felt like I did everything I needed to do. I have stories to tell for years and years and years. Yes. Um, and that was good enough for me. I never expected to be a mom. I never, I never planned on being a mom. Um, and... It's interesting the influence that our children can have on us. You know, I was a very driven, ambitious woman. Um, and I found myself in recruitment at one stage and had an insane commute as well. 
And so I, I had an agreement with my manager that I would come in earlier in the morning, not take lunch, and then literally leave 15 minutes early to miss rush hour traffic, which put on an extra 90 minutes on my traveling time. And it was going so well. And then the big boss came in and he said, no, 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 no. You will stay until 5 p.m. And I said to him, well, this was the arrangement. I don't take lunch. I'm in an hour before everybody else. But what, if you are asking me to stay 15 minutes later, I only get to pick my kids up at 7 o'clock at night. And I'm not okay with that. And he goes, no, no, no. This is corporate. This is how, how it works. And that weekend, I read a book. And I, for the life of me, cannot remember what the book was. But um, it turned out that this mother wrote a letter, but she had died. But you didn't know she had died until the really end of the book. And in the letter, she wrote, there's two types of balls that we have in life. The one is a rubber ball and the other is a glass ball. Your rubber balls, you can juggle. And if you drop them, they will just bounce. And sometimes they will roll and they can lie in the corner. And at any given time, you can pick up your rubber ball and you can continue juggling it or not. And then you have your glass balls. And these are your, your main relationships and your health. And if you drop a glass ball, it will either shatter and be completely destroyed or it will be cracked. So even if you pick it up, you it will never be the same. There will always be a crack in it. And that hits me right in the solar plexus. And I went in on the Monday and I resigned. And I said, you are a rubber ball. My boys are a glass ball. And I'm not prepared to risk dropping that ball. And that changed my life. Um, and that started my that's when I started my recruitment company. That was it's, meant to be the fact that you read that book that yes. particular weekend. Isn't the, isn't life beautiful how it always gives us, but here's the thing that I want people to, to hear as well. You have to pay attention. Like I don't believe anything happens haphazardly. I, I don't believe, I believe everything happens for a reason and everything comes to us for a reason. And it's, for us, it's for our joy, evolution, growth, happiness, thrive. But we have to pay attention and stop going, oh, it was just a book. It was just a storybook for God's sakes, Al. How do you make life-altering decisions based on a storybook? But it hit me. And I think that's the thing about motherhood is it taught me how to feel. It taught me how to feel because before that, I was 100% high achiever in my head. All decisions were made from logic. All decisions were very well thought out. And motherhood taught me how to trust my feelings, trust my intuition, and do what brings me joy. That was a big decision that you made too, an, an emotional one, but based in feelings and love. And that was, I'm sure that did shake your world at that time. Oh, yeah. I think it's, it's, it shook, well, in a good way though, right? In a good way. In a good Absolutely. way. Um, I realized then 
corporate does not make sense for me. And again, I am not an anti-corporate person. I think that corporate is beautiful for the right people. Um, we learn so much in it. It's a beautiful um, learning grounds for us. Even as entrepreneurs, there's so much we can learn in corporate. I'm not bashing corporate at all. But it is a case of allowing ourselves to follow the guidance and kind of go, and I'm good with this. I'm good with this and whatever comes from it. Because I think a lot of the times people don't take the steps because they kind of go, oh, but what if? And for me, the worst what if, if I left, was still better than the worst what if, if I stayed. Because the worst what if, if I stayed was neglecting my boys and I was just not available for that no it would have put a crack in that ball and it wouldn't it would have changed things um wow kudos to you yeah what a like what a moment for you to realize that you were not that corporate person anymore you know that's the shift that led you to everything else that you've created so And what a fantastic time that we are living in that we do have new opportunities as entrepreneurs, especially as women. I'm kind of wondering if women are evolving the entrepreneurial world because of our desire to be more present with our children, because of our desire to be more creative and more in control of our time, more in control of our creativity, more in control of our energy. And what we invested in. I think so. And I think we really learned through the pandemic that things are possible that we may not have thought were possible beforehand and that we can take the reins ourselves and really build that through. And I think I know a lot of my friends and a lot of clients are doing that. They're saying that, okay, family comes first or my happiness and my mental health comes first. So they are paving their way, building whatever that is, it's going to serve them rather than just waiting until the kids leave for school or waiting till that perfect time. And there's not a perfect time ever. So, I mean, there's scary things right now. I'm trying to sell um, my other, my franchise business so that I can focus on this second business full-time. And that is very scary for me to be doing, but there's just something inside of me that says I can serve more people with my second business. And I've already grown that one and I'm ready for that next challenge. So I'm going through the scary thing and it's scary looking at financials, but I'm just, I've got that confidence that like I can make this work for my boys, for my husband, for my family and for me. And you know, it's sometimes we just need that challenge to get us going. And I think more and more women are up for it these days. Absolutely. What do you take an unapologetic stance for in life? To, again, just to go after the silliest, craziest goal that you might have and know that if you start on it today, you'll get it finished one day. Maybe not tomorrow, but maybe down the road. So unapologetically, it can be so silly. I want to write a young adult novel. I love like thrillers and, you know, stories about high schoolers and college kids and kind of like it's such a weird genre, but I love it. And so I try to dabble in writing that and I'm not going to apologize for it. It's just something that's fun for me. And one day I'll have a published book in that genre. Um, 
doesn't have to be tomorrow, but it'll be one day. And I don't have to tell anybody about it, but it's something that is on my heart, has always been, and I'm slowly working towards it. So unapologetically crazy. I love yeah. it. <laughs> I love it. Crazy is good, Al. You're crazy. Oh. I'm crazy. It's it's a good thing. It is. It makes it makes us the weird ones, and that's what makes us the creatives. And I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Darling, this Me has been too. amazing. Where do the ladies get to connect with you? What is the best platform? Because we'll put all the platforms in the description, but what is the best platform for them to connect with you? I hang out the most on Instagram. So it's at Second Act Success. Um, I'm there most of the time. So yeah, DM me or come over and hang out. And I love to follow you. I just shared one of your posts right before we got on today. So oh, thank it's you. nice to just support each other. It is. I, I feel like that is the next evolution for women is to genuinely understand that support is is not just emotional support, but doing the physical shit in the world as well, right? It's all fine and well to say, yeah, I've got your back. But especially as female entrepreneurs, the, the tangible support makes a difference. And I feel like that's where a lot of women are still really hesitant um, to kind of show, yeah, we're in this together we all become successful in the process. All ships rise, right? With the rising tide. Yes. So thank you for the Absolutely. share. This was amazing. <laughs> thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Um, we could talk all day. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to all our listeners, well, thank you. I would love your takeaway. First of all, I would love to hear who are you as the star of your show? Like take some time out in this coming week and delve into this as a journaling prompt. As the star of the show, who am I? How do I get my life to be? How do I get to be supported by the best of the best? And what is my best performance that I know I'm here to live? Because that's really how we live our legacies. So until next week, I hope that you have an amazing day further and never forget, we get to live our legacies unleashed, unlimited and bloody unapologetic. Take care, my friends. Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others post about it on social media or leave a rating and review to catch all the latest from me you can follow me on instagram at the unapologetic woman and on linkedin at l naj and if you're interested in experiencing the unapologetic woman friendwork soiree book in for our next open meeting at unapologetic womenasme forward slash unapologetic Thanks again and I'll see you next week.